boy, it's crazy. Just nothing happened this week. I mean, really, it's been, you know, such a long summer. And it's finally we get to fall and not a thing. I'm just kidding. We had an Apple event this weekend. We've got Viper, the man about tech, to talk all about the Apple event and what he thought about it. Plus, Apple wasn't the only one showing off new stuff this week. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week, the Apple event came and went and gave us new iPads, new iPhones, new Apple Watch, and more. So we're sitting down with fellow Chicagoan Viper, the man about tech, to chat about it. Plus, we've got a tech yeah for you, and it's something that's really so simple, like why haven't I seen this before? But sure enough, I haven't, and we will get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. Apple, and yes, we'll be talking plenty about Apple at the tail end of this show, but I wanted to start off with a piece of irony that broke at the beginning of the week just before the event. If you have a motorcycle and an iPhone, Apple released a support document specifically warning you against attaching your iPhone to the motorcycle with a phone holder. It seems that excessive vibration, which can confirm motorcycles, mopeds, and scooters definitely have, but excessive vibration can damage the optical image stabilization in the iPhone's cameras and just whoopsie doodle, oh sorry about that, our bad, yeah. But the thing is, every iPhone since the iPhone 7 has shipped with optical image stabilization, so like... When did Apple notice this? It's been years, dude. So I guess if you've been packing that iPhone XR on your motorcycle and wondered why your camera started to suck all of a sudden, there you go. But the really ironic part about all this is that at Apple's event on Tuesday, it featured a very long demo of a guy driving a scooter with an iPhone attached to the handlebars. You know exactly what the support document said it shouldn't do? That seems really bad and actually a lawsuit in the making. In fact, I remember reading a story a couple years ago about an Australian man who successfully sued Apple for claiming that you could put your iPhone into a pool and it would survive. The man claimed that all the Apple demos online referencing waterproofing showed the phone getting dunked in a pool, so there was no reason why Apple should be able to claim that you can't do that. So there you have it, folks. Strap your phones to the handlebars and call your lawyers, and unlike your lawyer, I'll only take a 5% finder's fee commission. You're welcome. One of the biggest problems with VR headsets is the inability to see what's around you. If you don't have a dedicated VR space, you're at risk of bashing your shins on furniture, sure, but what about people? See, the Oculus Quest allows you to draw a border so that you don't run into furniture, but people and animals can sometimes wander into your space. Trust me, it happens. A lot. Well, the Oculus Quest seeks to solve this problem by using the cameras to detect these objects and show them to the user in the headset as an outline. Now you'll be able to see when a person or object enters your play area and avoid unwanted contact. It's a bit limited, though. You have to be facing the object or the person directly, and it won't detect objects or people more than nine feet away from you. But still, this is pretty cool. We talked a few weeks back about Oculus using those cameras to put people in a more of an AR state where they could see 
see things around them and still play a game or whatever. I don't think this is going to be the final iteration of that, but this is still pretty cool. So if you have an Oculus Quest, go turn on this feature right meow. If you use Gmail, well, congratulations, you're like 95% of the rest of the world, but you've probably also noticed every now and then that Gmail will give you a little nudge and say, hey, this conversation kind of died out. Why don't you email them again, boo? It's a neat feature, and it's honestly saved my bacon more than once. Well, Google may start rolling out this feature to its Messages app as well, and that will be awesome. If you think I'm bad at returning emails, I'm even worse at text. But Google may roll out a feature that reminds you to reply if it's been a few hours or days. I'm really not sure what the parameters are going to be. I'm reminded, actually, of my cousin, who frequently will not respond to a text, only to tell you a few days later, Oh, I responded in my head. Sorry about about that and that's good but you know I can't read your head so hopefully this will remind people to reply and not just in their head and I'm not talking directly to you cousin except yes I kind of am this week saw the release of the first Hawkeye trailer and the premiere date, which is a surprisingly quick turnaround, November 24th, which is also the day before Thanksgiving, so that's a bold strategy. The show appears to be a holiday-themed and a Star Wars holiday special, kind of like a will-he-make-it-home-for-Christmas scenario, and yes, there are other examples of that story that I could have used, but I wanted you to remember the Star Wars holiday special experience and hope that it was painful for you as it was for me. Of course, this show will be better because A, the Star Wars holiday special is rock bottom of the TV industry and there's literally nowhere to go up but up from there, but also B, unlike the holiday special, this story story follows the actual hero of the story and his adventures against bad guys rather than watching the family sit around in a hotel grunting at each other with no subtitles and good god Star Wars holiday special just what were you thinking <sighs> But I gotta say, the trailer does look pretty awesome, or at least as awesome as it can be when your protagonist is the most boring Avenger. It looks like it's going to be right up there with the other Disney series so far. Plus, I gotta hand it to the marketing folks who came up with the tagline, This holiday season, the best gifts come with a bow. <laughs> I love that. Say what you want about cheesy marketing, I love it. It's what made me want to pursue a job in the marketing field for a time before I realized... I was not clever enough to come up with stuff like that, so I'd be relegated to Pepcom updates or something like that. What was I saying? Oh, right. Hawkeye is coming on November 24th, and I'm gonna watch it. I'm a fan of Xiaomi and Chinese OEMs in general because you tend to get some of the really cool and really crazy stuff from them first. Then, after a time, when the technology can be better tested and vetted, other OEMs can start to do the same thing. This time, from Xiaomi, we're getting the 11T Pro with a lot of your typical stuff, like a Snapdragon 888 processor, 108 megapixel main camera, 100Hz display, oh, and a 5000 mAh battery that can charge from zero to full in 17... 17 minutes? What? No. Freaking way. Hang on a second. That can't be right. Must have my notes wrong or something like that. Hang on, well, um, I mean, 17 minutes, that's laughably ridiculous. How did this even wind up on the script? Okay, um, here we go. Uh, charges to full in 17... No freaking way, Verge, you must have screwed this up. All right, I'll get back to this one in a bit. Let's just move on to the next story. 
Xiaomi also debuted its new Xiaomi Pad 5, which is a pretty clear iPad Air competitor. You've got an 11-inch WQHD Plus display, 6 gigabytes of RAM, and a Snapdragon 860 processor. So we're not talking top-of-the-line specs in any category here. There's a 13-megapixel camera on the back and an 8-megapixel camera on the front, but seriously, don't use the one on the back for anything. Every time you take a photo with a tablet, an angel dies, okay? But The Verge has been testing it, and they call a quote more than competent device for tablety things like watching video and so on oh so there's a headline for you xiaomi's new 400 tablet you can watch netflix on it shocking development there verge Xiaomi says that there will be pen and keyboard accessories available for the pad in different markets, but wouldn't clarify which markets. Thanks for that. Also, the release date varies by market, which is equally not awesome. But let's face it, this thing is not coming to America anyway, so I guess whatever. The €349 price tag puts it above the iPad, but below the iPad Air in terms of price. So, honestly, people will and... Probably should just go buy an iPad, but if you hate iOS and you hate yourself slightly less, go ahead and pick up an Android tablet and do tablety things on it, I guess. Oh, okay, here's Engadget. Maybe they got it right. Let's see here. Uh, Xiaomi 11T Pro, Snapdragon, yeah, 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 yeah. Full charge in 17 minutes. Hang on a second. Could two sites have gotten it wrong? All right, I'll be back. Just a minute. Facebook, the crappy company run by terrible people, released its first wearable this week. They partnered with Ray-Ban, which is an expensive brand of sunglasses normally, but just wait until you add a battery, operating system, and dual cameras to it. That increased the price of Ray-Ban's only slightly, to $299. These are similar to Snapchat Story Glasses, whatever those stupid-looking things were called, but these sunglasses actually look like sunglasses that humans would wear. Android Central has the review. These glasses work as a Bluetooth headset with various looks and styles and colors, and they have cameras for catching videos and photos, and there's two cameras so they can also capture a lot of depth. The camera quality is actually fairly decent, even if the battery life is a little on the short side. Now, like true wireless earbuds, the case is how you charge these glasses, but this case is, you know, big enough to carry a pair of sunglasses, so it's not small nor convenient to carry without a bag. All the same, the sound quality is quite good, and the camera capability is also very good. You do need a Facebook account to connect to your phone, because of course you do. Overall, these seem like a decent pickup, but I'm going to be passing. I wear sunglasses a lot, so these would be pretty useful for me, but I'm just not there when it comes to willingness to spend that much money on a wearable with a fairly limited use case. But I really like what Facebook and Ray-Ban are doing here, so I will be paying very close attention to this tech going forward. Speaking of Facebook and stories, this week Phone Arena asked Instagram CEO Adam Mosseri when a freaking iPad app was coming already, and Mosseri replied simply that it's not. He said that while an iPad app would be nice, they're really too busy to work on it now, and I guess that's my Adam Mosseri impression from now on, so hope you enjoy that. Okay, now sure, I get that. It's been a busy year, but my question is, what about the last 10 goddamn years? Now, I don't want to get off a rant here, but 
Saying that you're too busy to make an iPad app right now is patently ridiculous because iPads and tablets in general have been the redheaded stepchild of Instagram for a decade now. Of course, I get it. Most of your users are on phones, but that doesn't mean people don't want to flip through their feeds on their tablets. And right now, the only thing available on the iPad is a blown-up iPhone app that doesn't really work very well. It's so irritating that this hasn't been fixed yet. But Adam, weren't you the one who said, like, two stories ago that whenever someone takes a photo with their tablet, an angel dies? And yes, that was me, and thank you for paying attention. But you know how they say sometimes that the best camera is the one that you have on you? Sometimes people have a tablet on them, and even so, you don't need a camera to flip through photos or Instagram stories. This lack of an iPad app is nothing more than negligence, stupidity, or both. There is simply no reason why after a decade, Instagram hasn't put together the four lines of extra code that they would need to ship an iPad app. Even as I say that now, it's probably ridiculous, the four lines of code thing, but I'm just saying it can't possibly be that hard. Hell, they copied TikTok in less than three months. How hard could it be to embiggen an app and let it run natively on a larger screen? Okay, let's see here. AndroidCentral.com, Xiaomi 11T Pro Review. Okay, let's see well, okay, it is 17 minutes. I checked The Verge and Gadget slash Gear Wired, then Cubs.com because I wanted to check the score. Then I played a game of Call of Duty Mobile because I saw something shiny. And then I checked Gizmodo and then Gadget again because I forgot I had checked it before. And Android Central, and they all say 17 minutes. So yeah, this phone's 120-watt charger can fill a 5,000 milliamp hour battery in just 17 minutes and great balls of fire. I hope not literally. Now, Xiaomi says that this is good for over 800 cycles, which should last two years. I'm dubious about that, and to be perfectly honest, I would probably only use the 120-watt charger when I absolutely, positively needed to charge it up that fast, you know, because I forgot to charge it overnight. So, yeah, 120-watt charging and 7 minutes. That's insane. Now, I still hope to get a chance to put that to the test myself, because even though I checked every site in the world, it still just feels like that can't possibly be right. But it seems to be. That's just... Wow, Xiaomi. That's just... Wow. I was going to make this next story my last story because the tagline, and finally, really fits here, but earlier this week, Nintendo announced that you'll finally... Finally, be able to connect Bluetooth headphones to your Nintendo Switch. And the thing is, it came as a software update. Like, the whole time the Switch was capable of connecting to Bluetooth and just, yeah, we decided not to include it for some damn reason. So now you can, which is a good thing. There are some limitations, though, because of course there are. First of all, you can't use more than two controllers at once when you have Bluetooth audio going, which seems silly, but okay, we'll go with it. Also, the audio connection is output only, no microphone input, so you game streamers are going to have to keep doing 
whatever the hell it is that you've been doing all this time. But this is still a nice upgrade for Switch owners. And by the way, that's all Switch owners, even the first generation, which is just crazy that it took until now to allow this. But, I mean, it's not like we're talking about an Instagram iPad app or anything. Now, personally, this doesn't affect me because I don't trust my son with wireless earbuds anyway. But all the same, it's nice that it's now an option. But seriously, what took so long, Nintendo? And finally, this week saw the world's first all-civilian space mission, the Inspiration 4. This is a four-person mission aboard SpaceX's Crew Dragon Resilience Pod, and it's funded by one of the crew, a billionaire because of course he's a billionaire, named Jared Isaacman. He, along with Haley Arsenault, Christopher Sembrowski, and Sian Proctor, spent three days zipping around the world. Three days in space, and these people haven't had a day's worth of training. This is a fully autonomous flying vehicle, and yes, Elon, you're allowed to put autonomous vehicles into space because they won't kill other drivers up there, okay? We cool? Now, this mission just has all sorts of implications and quirks to it. The whole thing is basically one giant fundraiser for St. June's Children Memorial Hospital, which is an awesome cause. The crew members all took various items up with them, among them being a ukulele and drawing materials so that they could create art in space, and that's kind of cool. Those items are going to be auctioned off upon returning to Earth, assuming Elon's autonomous driving doesn't burn up the pot on re-entry. The crew are also performing some experiments in micro gravity and looking out the largest continuous window ever flown in space because yeah that's a thing you do in space now presumably they'll also sleep at some point but really i have to think not very much because you're in a space capsule in orbit why would you waste time sleeping but there is one thing i want to address here this mission was launched by spacex which as we all know is elon musk's company and remember when richard branson and jeff bezos were in a dick measuring contest and i said meanwhile elon is actually doing useful things well, welcome to the useful thing, because here's the thing. This is four people up in space for three days. This isn't like a ten-minute trip that lasts shorter than some of my bowel movements. This is a real trip into space where actual things are being accomplished. It's like Musk watched Branson and Bezos get out their rockets, or in Jeff Bezos' case, his giant space dick, and he said, yeah, that was really cute. Now, do you want to see what a real space mission looks like? And that, Jeff Bezos, is probably part of why Elon Musk is building the moon rocket and not you. If you can put away your pride and bluster for half a second, you will realize that this is what private space travel should be about, and that Elon Musk, even though he's notorious for tweeting first, then tweeting second, then maybe possibly thinking about it, actually cares about space and what can and should be done up there. You might even notice, Jeff, that Elon hasn't even gotten aboard and launched himself yet. He's actually sending other people up there first because it's the right thing to do. So while I don't think this is the only reason Jeff lost that NASA contract... It kind of should have been. I'm giving mad props to Elon Musk here and Jeff... I'm going to tell you where you can shove your big, stupid space dick. Backend, application, API, bugs, attachment, DevOps, backend, frameworks, backward, component, oriented, natural language, software, blue text editor, book margin, Boolean web server. Welcome to Tech Yeah! Yeah! 
This week for Tech Yeah, we're looking at a very simple item that, I'll be honest, probably has existed for a long time, but for whatever reason only recently came to my attention. And that is the Aoki Portable Wireless Power Bank Phone Stand. Is that an awkward name? Yes, but it basically sums up what you've got going on here. This is a 20,000 milliamp hour power bank with a USB-A and USB-C charging port on the end, along with a digital readout reflecting the charge left in the tank. On top, there's a bit of branding and a small TPU circle designed to show you where the wireless coil is and to hold on the phone without it sliding. Aside from the button on the side to turn the power bank on, that's almost it, and if that was it, it honestly probably wouldn't be a tech yeah, because, oh, it's a power bank. Big deal, right? Well, there are two other little attributes on this bank. On the bottom of the power bank is a plastic leg that comes out of the back and locks into place at about a 45 degree angle. And on top, there's a little flap thing that comes out, and when you use them at the same time, you have a Qi wireless charging power bank that is also a phone stand for watching movies on your phone. When you open up the two little flaps and set the power bank on its side, it's at a perfect angle for you to watch your phone in landscape. Plus, if your phone has wireless charging, you can charge your phone while you watch. It's a neat little trick and an otherwise boring phone accessory. Now, are the phone flap on the front and the leg on the back a little bit flimsy feeling? Yes, actually, a lot flimsy feeling, actually. Is it weird that the leg and back locks into place, but the flap on the front does not, prompting you to wonder if you're not pushing hard enough, but worrisome enough that you don't want to break the flap? Also, and by the way, very much yes. But the worst case scenario is, is that those two things break off like the kickstand of a switch and you have a wireless charging 2000 milliamp hour power bank that is also not bad by itself. Now, again, is this revolutionary tech? No, but it's the first of its kind that I've seen, so I wanted to share it with you. And if you happen to be in the market for a new power bank, hit the link in the show notes and I'll get a little cut and you'll have my thanks. But for now, let's get back to the show. My next guest on the podcast is a man who has been rapidly rising in the ranks of the tech YouTube space, starting as an Apple-focused creator with an almost nightly live stream to recently quitting his day job to become a producer at vidIQ and hosting the upcoming Vid Summit, which is a streaming online and in person in Los Angeles at the end of the month. But today, he's here to talk about Apple and the event that has just passed, Viper, spelled with no less than three Ys. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Adam, man? Thank you for having me, Third, Definitely appreciate you. Looking forward to talking about all of this Apple goodness that's going on right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good time. I, I personally enjoyed the event. I thought it was, eh, you know, it was OK. It was not the best Apple event that I have seen this year, um, but I thought there was a, a lot of good stuff that came out of the event. And so I wanted to talk to you, fellow Chicagoan. And um, like I said, a rising star in the YouTube tech space. It's uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome that you're here. So I appreciate you coming on and maybe we can uh, chat about some Apple stuff. So your, your channel, um, you actually have a couple of different channels, but your main channel is fairly Apple focused from what I, uh, from what I've seen. Is that right? I mean, I, I, I thought you kind of strayed into some other tech recently and then you kind of centered it back into Apple recently, right? Yeah. So for the past 18 months, I've been making mostly Apple centric content, but recently I decided to cover more general tech besides Apple. Not that I'm mm-hmm. going to stop covering Apple because that's, that's my preference and what I like, but right. I have been covering other content like Xbox, PlayStation, different things like that, and more general tech. So yeah, 
I am going to start covering more general tech. But as you know, Adam, it is iPhone season, so we got to bring it back to base and cover that That's Apple right. stuff. That's right. You got to bring it in. You got to bring it in, make it tight. All right. I love it. So um, right off the bat, uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what got you into Apple in the first place? Like, what, what kind of drew you to that particular platform? I'm glad you asked because a lot of times when you ask people this question, they could take you back 30 some odd years to their first Mac computer or their first Mac G4, something like that. Me, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a more of a recent entry into the Apple ecosystem. I think my very first Apple product was the OG iPad out of one of the first iPods. So, okay. All right. As you know, that was like Apple's like original like mainstream computer electronic hit uh, as far as with the mainstream uh, consumer and things like that. And then it only just grew from there. And then obviously in 2007, you had the year that changed technology forever with the launch of the original iPhone. Right. And it's funny because I'm a Verizon customer, so I couldn't even get my first iPhone until 2011 when Verizon finally got the iPhone 4. So I right. have practically had every iPhone since the iPhone 4. I love okay. it. I am, I mean, right now I'm, I'm recording this on a MacBook Pro. I got two pairs of AirPods Max over there. I got an iPad Pro. So I got all the Apple things. So the Apple, their their product just worked well for my workflow. And that's why I keep sticking with them. Because when it just worked, as Steve Jobs says, it just worked. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's legit. That's legit. Me, I kind of do. Uh, I kind of do a John Rettinger thing recently, where I've been like six months on iOS, six months on as Android, kind of flip flopping, flopping back and forth. And I just put in my order for the iPhone, which we will talk about in just a little bit. So I guess my iOS uh, experience is about to kick back into uh, kick back into gear. So it should be uh, should be fun. So. Um, now I, I know Apple started, I, I don't want to go in exactly the same order that Apple did just because, you know, we're going to save the iPhones to the end because, you know, that's what we, that's what we got to do. That's, that's what we call a teaser in the biz. So, um, we started off, I'm going to start off by talking about the Apple watch. The Apple watch got us the Apple watch series seven, which starts at $399. Uh, we got a bigger screen with less bezels, a little bit more durable, added dust resistance to the watch for the first time, uh, new larger buttons. Like uh, I don't mean like the buttons on the side of the thing. I mean like the interface buttons are a little bit larger because of the uh, increased screen size and uh, some interface improvements designed for the Apple Series 7. Now, do you have an Apple Watch? I sure do. I have an Apple Watch Series 6. Very cool. Are you going to be upgrading to the Series 7? No, I am not. Because okay. the things that you just mentioned are very incremental as far as changing from the 6 to the 7. So because the sure. changes are so incremental, your boy Viper will be sticking with his Series 6 for another year. Okay. Now, I personally can say that I am financing my iPhone, my new iPhone, by selling my old iPhone, which had a ridiculous um, market re- market price retention value. I mean, like 87% I got back for the, uh, for the price. I mean, it was insane. Now, in your experience, do Apple Watches have that same type of uh, retention to their price or not so much? Not so much. I mean, they're not bad, but you can get a little bit bad, but nothing like the iPhones. The iPhones are just in a league of their own with that retention stuff. It's crazy. It was, I mean, it was crazy. Like, I went to go, like, sell this thing, and I was, like, just looking at the prices. I use Swappa. For my this podcast not brought to you by Swappa, but I use Swappa to uh, to sell the iPhone. And I was looking over the prices. I'm like, holy! Cr-. I actually started the list price at 950, and I eventually came down to like 875, which is you know 87.5 percent of the original value of the phone. And like, <laughs> I'll be darned if someone bought it. Okay, cool. I'm like, my plan is working. So cool. Um, okay, so like, I was I was impressed by the fact that they brought dust resistance because you know that's 
a little bit harder to do than water resistance because water, you know, it can kind of go in and go out, but dust, once it gets in there, it's uh, it's in there. <laughs> it's in there pretty hardcore. So I was, I was impressed with that. Overall, and it, it looked like it's kind of hard to tell from the demos. It would really, I'd really have to be hands-on in order to understand like how close to the edge of the watch this screen actually gets. It looked like a fairly significant upgrade over the uh, over the Series Six, but and a major upgrade over the Series Three. Series Three is the one that they're still selling, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, but that wasn't enough to uh, to tempt away your hard-earned Apple dollars, huh? No, no, okay. uh, a minor screen bump and some dust resistance. I mean, if I could be serious for a second, like, who is going to put their Apple Watch in a situation where it's going to get dusted? I just, I mean, unless you got it sitting somewhere and you don't use it for a while, but other than you that... on the beach, you know, it's it's not crazy. I'm a geocacher, so trust me, dust is definitely an issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean, and I'm pretty sure those use cases exist, but for me personally, it wasn't enough for me to upgrade, so, yep. Okay, well that is uh, that is very fair. So you would have hoped to have seen more in in a in a series seven, especially if it was going to te- tempt you away from your uh, from your series six. But Definitely. I mean, one of the nice things about Apple products is they tend to last longer. Like an Android watch that's a year old, holy crap! Um, so, um, but anyway, so you're sticking with the series six. That is legit. That's cool. Let's move on then to iPads. So the the basic iPad got uh, got a bump up to the uh, it was the oh shoot I had this written down it was this it was a new processor was A13. it the A15 A13 A13 okay I thought I had it written down but anyway so we've got a ninth generation iPad which is basically the same but with the A13 processor 12 megapixel ultra wide sen- sensor with center stage for the uh, for the front facing camera, which is pretty cool if center stage actually works, I might might talk about with you uh, talk about with you of that. And what I found interesting was that the series uh, the series seventh, eighth, and ninth generation iPads have all been exactly the same size. So the accessories that you may have picked up for the seventh generation iPad would work on the ninth generation iPad, like my favorite Zag keyboard ever. Mm-hmm. So. That's a seventh generation iPad, but anyway. Um, so, any did you uh, do? You, do you use an iPad often with your uh, with your workflow? Or well, oh, not for my 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 bit IQ workflow, but for my YouTube workflow, absolutely. I do my thumbnails on it, so definitely. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, I'm assuming you probably use an iPad Pro, or yeah. are you using? Okay. Yeah, I have. So the, you... I, I have the uh, the 2021 uh, 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Nice, very nice, and we'll talk about iPad Pros in just a second. Do, have you have you ever had the uh, one of the, the the base? I want to. I guess it called the base model iPad, the uh, the ten point two model. Have Have you ever had any experience with any of those? Or? Um, man, probably a long, long time ago. Um, okay, but it's been a while. Usually, I go with the Pro, but I yeah, will sure. tell you, um, I did put a pre order in for the new iPad Mini, so I'm excited okay. to get my hands on that next week. That is uh, that was the next thing that we were going to talk about. Now Apple calls this the iPad Mini. I personally call it the iPad Mini Pro because the iPad Mini is basically an iPad Pro just shrunk down. And I got to say like personally I was a little disappointed by that just because, you know, I was kind of hoping that we m- like I personally wanted to see like an iPad Mini not Pro something that was not $500 cuz 
I don't know. Just to me, that just seems a bit much for an iPad Mini. I'm sure you have a different opinion since you already pre-ordered one, but uh, I, I guess the Pro features kind of give it a step up, you know, make it a little bit more worth the uh, worth the cash that you're dropping for it. So what are your thoughts on the iPad Mini? Let's go ahead and just uh, lay it out there. Let's come at me, bro. <laughs> so there, there are a few things that are interesting with the iPad Mini. Number one is using a brand new, the brand new A15 chip, which we'll mm-hmm. see in the iPhone 13. So that's pretty cool. Um, they kind of shrunk the bezel, so usually the iPad Mini is 7.9 inches, but now they increased it to 8.3 inches, so you get mm-hmm. a slightly bigger display. Also, instead of just the one uh, speaker on the iPad Mini of the past, now you get dual stereo speakers on the iPad Mini of new. So that's okay. pretty cool. So yeah, between the new design, the bigger display, the A15 chip, and the dual stereo speakers, uh, they've made some hefty improvements to the iPad mini line, and rightfully so, since it's been a while since we've gotten an upgraded iPad mini. So, again, I am very excited for the new design. I, like I said, I pre-ordered one, got one coming next Friday, and yeah. I'm excited to get my hands on it because it's just something to be said about having an iPad mini um, and not having a bigger iPad. The iPad mini is a lot better for th- doing things like reading and different things like that, just simple tasks. Yeah. Um, that you don't normally want to carry a bigger, unwieldy iPad around for. So the Mini is legit. Do you think you can uh, use the iPad Mini to do your thumbnails for YouTube or oh, yeah. anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, actually okay. the iPad Mini does come with support for the Apple Pencil Generation 2, which I have. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, because in my world, what I was kind of hoping we would see would be a new iPad Mini, but, like, kind of a step down from the the 10.2 iPad so that it could be coming in at a slightly lower price point like the 329 is actually and actually 299 if you get it with the education discount is already pretty low for everything that the iPad brings you so i guess my my expectations were unrealistic and like when they announced the iPad mini and they started talking about like all the features that it brought and the price and the price of it, I'm just like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Like, because Apple probably sat down and figured, you know, we need, we want to do an update to the Mini, but how are we going to do this so that we can actually make a profit off it? And and I'm guessing that bringing the Pro features, USB-C was one that I think yeah, you too. you uh, didn't mention. But, uh, yeah, I just, man, like, as much as I would like to have an iPad Mini, I just, I can't justify the $500 for it. Like, personally, obviously, obviously you have a different... Uh, a different opinion on it, but uh, but yeah. So I just like, eh. I would have liked to see something smaller, but you know, some more portable, but also a little bit less expensive. Yeah, because the, you know, I'm cheap. The iPad lineup is kind of weird because you got the new iPad Mini that's coming next week, but you also have the new iPad Air that was released last year, and mm-hmm. it, and and in a lot of ways, the iPad Mini is better than the iPad Air, which is the bigger tablet. And got right. things going on for it. So yeah, the iPad lineup is definitely a little little wonky, but it is what it is. It's getting a little confusing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but like the ninth generation, I've I've been debating, and and similarly with the uh, with the you know selling the iPad uh, the iPhone twelve to get the iPhone thirteen, I was checking the aftermarket for the seventh generation iPad, and it's actually fairly robust. So I'm thinking I might actually do an upgrade there. To go from the seventh generation up to the ninth generation, just because you know, why not? Right now, my daughter has an eighth generation, and I can't let her have a better iPad than me, right? <laughs> Am I no, right? no. So, um, but I also like with the um, iPad Mini. We, we, I don't think we talked about this, but the uh, fingerprint sensor moving to the power button, like the I, iPad Airs or Pros or both. The Air, yeah, the Pros. The Air, the Pros. You face that deep, but the Air has the fingerprint sensor on the power button. Yep. Okay. 
Okay, I'm still a I'm still a fingerprint sensor guy, even though although I haven't tested a fingerprint sensor from Apple in, since the seventh generation. But the Touch ID in the seventh generation iPad is kind of terrible. So <laughs> um, I, I'm not, I I don't know how it is on the Air, but uh, but yeah, there's definitely uh, work to be done there. So why don't we just go ahead and get to the 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 big boy the big show here the iPhone 13 now just like last year we've got four new iPhones we've got the iPhone 13 mini iPhone 13 iPhone 13 Pro which like last year also shares the same dimensions as the iPhone 13 and then we have the iPhone 13 Pro Max so which one did you pre-order I pre-ordered the iPhone 13 Pro now normally okay. I pre-ordered the Pro Max iPhone but I got a chance to use the iPhone 12 mini uh, a few months ago. And okay. I brought the iPhone 12 Pro, my main phone. But like I said, I got a chance to use the 12 mini and it completely changed my outlook on, on wanting a smaller iPhone. I can't mm, go with a okay. mini full time because it's too small and the battery is just too small. But right. I'm like, you're, you're, you know what, Viper? We're going to try something different this year. We're not going to get a Pro Max iPhone, but I will get an iPhone Pro because I want that smaller form factor. And it's just easier to use one handed. Like, even though to use the mini one-handed was like a revelation. Like I missed being able to do that. So I'm looking forward to being able to do that again with the iPhone 13 Pro. Last year, I went with the iPhone 12 Pro, not Max. And it was kind of funny because when I was talking with John Rettinger about the iPhone, not really a review, long story anyway, um, he was saying that there's really only two iPhones that you should buy. You should buy the iPhone 12 or the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And I'm like... Well, shoot, where does that leave me? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, this year I, 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 I bucked the trend and I, I went with the iPhone 13 Pro, not Max, for largely the same reasons, because I like the screen size. It was a good screen size for me, and, you know, it fits nicely in the pocket. The iPhone 12 Pro Max is about, like, 0.1 inch smaller than the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra, which you know, is the Android phone that I've been using for the longest time. So it's not like I'm not used to the large size, but at the same time, you know, I just, I just, I kind of like the smaller size. Mm -hmm. So yep. now, um, I was a little disappointed to see that we didn't get a fingerprint sensor on the uh, power button. It would have been nice. <laughs> and I can see that you kind of share that same, <laughs> that same, if I'm reading your body language correctly. So Ooh. why don't why, I'll, why don't I give you the opportunity to uh, discuss uh, that a little bit? This is something that I have talked about a lot for the past two years. Um, mm -hmm. For whatever reason, Apple refuses to add multiple biometric points of entry on their iPhone. Every other company does it besides Apple. Either you get Touch ID or you get Face ID. For whatever reason, we cannot combine them. How can Samsung do it? How can Huawei do it? How can Google do it? How can LG yep. do it? But for whatever reason, Apple cannot combine a fingerprint sensor and a face ID scanner. Apple, get it done. And it's completely egregious, especially given the fact that we are still in a pandemic where we are required to wear masks indoors. So right. if you're pulling out your iPhone indoor, uh, unless you got an Apple Watch, you're putting on the pass code. And the mm -hmm. Apple Watch bypass is, is janky at best. It's not oh, really... It's janky. It's not okay. really an ideal solution to the problem. So the solution, the ideal solution would have been to implement a fingerprint sensor somewhere on the iPhone. This iPhone 3rd, uh, this 12 Pro Max I have right now has a long fingerprint of uh, long power button that you could have easily put a scanner on in addition to Face ID, which would have solved yeah. the problem. But for whatever yeah. reason, Apple refusing to do it. I don't understand it. It's very frustrating. 
Well, not to mention, we just talked about the iPad Mini that has a fingerprint exactly. sensor on the button. The iPad Air has a fingerprint sensor on the button. So, yeah, this is not new stuff, even for Apple. Like, there are a number of phones out there that have a fingerprint sensor on the side. And, you know... I was actually just talking with co-producer Cliff about this. Like when you switch from a phone with a fingerprint sensor on the side to one that's on the front or the back, it's there's so much muscle memory involved. It takes so long to like st- like to not pause your finger on the power button as you turn the phone on because you know you're, it's just used to you're just used to it being there. So now I would agree that the that the fingerprint sensor on the side is not a perfect solution but it's a much better solution than relying solely on face id so yeah. i'm glad i found a uh i'm glad we found a kinship there so that's uh that's awesome i'm feeling for you now 120 hertz variable refresh rate that's pretty awesome right i mean if you're a hardcore tech nerd that loves that stuff yeah but does the iphone absolutely need it i mean no i mean i have a mul- i have a bunch of devices with the 120 hertz displays on them um, they're nice. I mean, they're definitely nice. I'm not going to say that they're not nice because they are nice, but I don't think they're must have like a lot of mm-hmm. the tech nerds seem to believe. Last year, they were like throwing pitchforks over the lack of a 120 hertz display on iPhone. So yeah. I am so glad that Apple included it this year so the tech nerd can calm down a little bit. Calm down, you all. You got your, you got what you wanted. Calm down. I, I, I understand. And you know what? I'll, I'll Personally, I don't, I don't know if you listen to the show. I understand if you don't. Um, but personally, I have only ever been able to see a difference between 60 hertz and 120 hertz on the OnePlus 9 Pro. That's the only phone that I've ever seen a difference between the two. I've got a Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra that I've turned 120 hertz on. Don't see it. Uh, we had... Uh, oh, shoot. What I've had... At least one other phone that had a 120 hertz display. Oh, uh, the Sonys. Um, I, I tested a couple of Sonys. Uh, the Sony Xperia... 5 Mark II had 120 hertz display. Couldn't see a darn thing on it. So I not, you know, I just couldn't tell the difference. It could just be me. I don't know. Uh, we've got the A15 Bionic, so the new Apple chip on this new phone. And what I thought was interesting, or actually, I can't say what I thought was interesting. I would be lying. What a lot of people, a lot of tech reviewers seem to, interest, seem to find interesting was that Apple didn't do a whole lot of comparing the A15 Bionic to really anything else like a lot of the times when apple introduces new silicon they'll say oh it's x times faster than the snapdragon whatever or oh it's it's x times or x percent faster than last year's you know a whatever bionic and it didn't seem like apple said that this year or so i've read maybe you paid closer attention to that part because i'll be honest when they start talking about nanometer processes my eyes kind of glaze over so maybe you can speak to that a little bit it's didn't seem like Apple was really all that proud of their new silicon. Yeah, I think I kind of noticed that too. There was not much talk about how much uh, a better performer the iPhone 13 would be over the iPhone 12, which tells me that there might not be much of a change in the chipset, if I mean, if any. I mean, it might have opened up an extra core or something, but whatever it was, it was yeah. not enough for them to go up on stage and praise the changes because apparently, like you said, they're not they're not really confident uh, confident in the changes that were made. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I wouldn't say it was a lack of confidence. I would just say it was a, it was a recognition that perhaps their A15 um, speed tech is maybe not, you know, maybe it's plateauing a little bit. Maybe they can only make it so much faster. At this I point. think I think there's another thing, another situation at play here. The fact okay. is that we are still, again, we are still in a pandemic, and we're also amid a chip shortage. So 
Yeah. Because we're in a pandemic, because there's still a chip shortage going on, it is a lot harder for Apple to manufacture new chips at scale right now and still mm-hmm. get them out for iPhone release. Because we know iPhone releases are on a massive global scale. So you're yeah. talking about millions of chips that they will need in order to get these iPhones out on time. So they might have just yeah. kept some old chips or recycled some old chips and, and, and made them just slightly different for the A15 because of the situation that they're in, because of the pandemic. So it might be some of that to that as well. Okay. Um, so what about the uh, lightning port? I, I assume you have some thoughts on that. Yes, it needs to go. Bye. Get out of here. It is infuriating, Adam, that Apple, the Apple ecosystem has three different charging solutions. Why? Why, 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 why? You got lightning. You got USB Type-C. You got the Apple Watch inductive charging. Like, why can they not be unified for a company who is known the world over for their ecosystem it is completely convoluted in the charging solution. The fact that there yeah. are multiple charging solutions for this one ecosystem that's supposed to be the greatest thing since life brand. I don't understand what is going on, Apple. Get it together with this lightning now, crap because they want to make my five royalty. Get over it and move on with the USB type things like the rest of the world has. But I digress. Now, in defense of Apple, nobody's going to charge an Apple Watch with USB-C. So... I think Apple Watch kind of needs its own its own thing, and at least the Apple Watch uses Qi charging, does it not? I want to no, say it, it uses does. only like inductive charge. It doesn't even use Qi charge. It'd be better if it did, but it doesn't. Oh, okay, okay. I see. I, I, I okay. That was my mistake. I thought they, I thought they used uh, Qi charging for the Apple Watch. I actually ordered an Apple Watch SE, which is coming on Monday. You know, four days before I can actually use it. But um, so I'll, I'm going to get some experience with. I've never used an Apple Watch before, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Forward. And you know what's. What's funny is throughout my career, since the Apple Watch came out, I have been, you know, saying that's arguably one of the best smart watches out there, never actually used one. So, and I said that every single time I would endorse the Apple Watch, I'd say, look, I've never used it, but just, you know, looking at what Apple's doing, it's kind of impressive. So I did, I did pull the trigger on on an Apple Watch SE, so that will go along with the iPhone 13, which I think will be it'll it'll be a good way to round out my experience a little bit more. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be fun. But yeah, I didn't know that. I thought it used uh, Qi charging. I guess I was wrong on that. So thank you for pointing that out. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree that the lightning the lightning port needs to go. And I think the biggest signal. I, I, I read this somewhere. This isn't my opinion. But the biz- biggest signal that the I- Lightning port wasn't going anywhere anytime soon was the fact that the AirPods Pro Max also charge with Lightning. Do they not? Yes, the AirPods, that, the AirPods Pro do indeed charge with Lightning. The AirPods, oh, not, not Pro Max, just the AirPods Pro, the, 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 the cover one. But yeah, so they charge with the Lightning, lightning Jack 2. And so like when that came out, a lot of people were just like, oh... So Apple's not getting rid of this lightning charger anytime soon, huh? Okay, all right. And now we have rumors about the iPhone 14 also using lightning, but maybe we shouldn't talk about that just yet because it's we don't even have iPhone 13 in hand just yet. So uh, we also got a smaller, looked like a slightly smaller notch on the uh, on the iPhone 13. So that's fun. That's a nice little uh, toss in there. So what was the biggest announcement of the day? For you, now that we've covered all the various things that were covered in the event, what was the biggest announcement of the day for you? Probably the iPad Mini because I was not expecting iPad announcements at all at this event. So when they started off with mm-hmm. iPad, I was like, "Oh, okay." So yeah. first they started off with the 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 ninth generation iPad, the regular one, and then mm-hmm. they announced the iPad Mini. We knew that there was a new iPad Mini coming, 
But again, yeah. I didn't expect them to announce it at this particular event. I thought this event would only be iPhone and Apple Watch, but when we got the mm -hmm. iPad announcement and they unveiled the iPad mini and the improvements to it, I was like, all right, I need that. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. And I, I, I would agree. I think the uh, I think one of the most interesting announcements was the fact that all four phones are shipping on the same day, because you'll recall last year yeah. they did the iPhone 12 and the 12 Pro earlier. Yep. That was the other reason why I ordered just the Pro and not the Pro Max. Um, and then they uh, released the iPhone mini and um, Pro Max in November, wasn't it? I mean, right. it was like a lot later. Yeah. It was significantly later. So I thought it was interesting that they were released all four phones at the same time despite the, uh, the the chip shortage that's going on and not to mention I think the iPads were both releasing on the same day as well like Apple's releasing a slew of products this coming Friday yeah or, that, was, that was the interesting yeah. thing about the event there the iPads were available for order the day of the event usually they okay. hold everything to that okay. Friday but eventually at the moment that they announced the new iPad they were like yeah you guys can order them right now I'm like oh okay cool we can do that Mm, nice. Okay. I didn't even notice that because I didn't order a new iPad. So, but you did. So that's awesome. I'm looking forward to you having a, uh, having an iPad mini. Cause I think that'll be fun and I'll be sure to, I assume you'll be doing a review or at least oh, yeah. some content about it. So yeah. I'll be keeping an eye on your channel for that. And speaking of which we've come to the part of the show where I want you to go ahead and, uh, we, we kind of wrapped up everything Apple, which is awesome. And I'm glad we got your, your insight into all of that. So now it's time to roll out the carpet for you and let everybody know where they can find you on the socials and on the YouTubes and all that. So have at it, sir. Yeah, I am pretty easy to find. It's Viper with three Y's, and if that doesn't work, just type in Demand About Tech pretty much anywhere, and you'll find Viper. That's how you find me. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm that dude. <laughs> okay, yeah, and that's on the Twitters and on the Instagrams. You got TikTok stuff going on there? Or not I, so much? I do. I don't really post there too much, but I do have a TikTok, yes. You know, I started off strong with TikTok, and I just kind of died out oh, after man. a little bit because it's like, eh, it's not the right platform. It really isn't for tech. Like, I, you know, because I thought, ooh, this is a new platform. Maybe I can get some tech stuff out there right away and, like, start. But it's just it's just not right. You know, unless it's, like, funny tech, then you could do it. But I don't but, know, man. Uh, there are some tech creators that are doing big things on TikTok, though. Yeah? Yep. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe I just dropped the ball. That's very possible, too. So I don't do a lot of video content. This cause, that's because I'm a podcaster. Well, thank you, Viper, for coming on and chatting with us about, about the Apple event and all the new stuff. I look forward to seeing your stuff on the new iPhone and the new iPad mini. And, and uh, yeah, so thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank Viper for coming on and chatting with us about the Apple event and all the cool stuff that came from it. I'd like to thank Cliff Thomas for all of his hard work behind the scenes, but most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt. <laughs>